0: Church, yes, our God, His presence is here. Can we surrender before Him now? Proclaim His goodness. Proclaim His nature. He is good. He is just. knowing like a God. Yes. What is this love that won't relent? That's calling out with heaven's breath. It's reaching wide to save our souls yes that's right what is this grace that makes no sense that we could never recompense who gives us all a second chance only you only you can we proclaim this today
1: There is no one like our God.
0: Yes, church. There is no one like our God. Do you believe it? There is no other God who can't save. There is no one
2: like
0: our God. We believe it. Who hung the stars upon the night. And showed the sun out bright to shine Who shaped the world within his hands
2: Only you Ooh.
0: Is true. Yeah. And no height or death can stand between us. No power on earth or all creation. No life or death can separate us from you. You believe those words? Would you lift it up from your heart?
2: No height or death
0: can stand between. On honor, or all creation No life
2: or death can
3: separate us from your love
0: Some praise this morning. There's no one like you, Jesus. Yes. Yes, church, our hearts are heavy today. Our hearts are burdened for what's taking place in Ukraine and our world. If you've come in here today with a burdened heart, would you just surrender your fear before the Lord right now in this moment? Would you surrender your anxiety to him? Because he is here. He is a God of healing. We're standing in his presence and his love. When darkness tries to roll over my bones, when sorrow comes to steal the joy I owe, when brokenness and pain is all I know, we know this, that I won't be shaken. No, I won't be shaken. Can we lift this up? My fear doesn't stand a chance When I stand in your love My fear doesn't stand a chance When I stand in your love My fear doesn't stand a chance When I stand in your love hey. Thank you, Jesus I no longer hide a place to hide and I am not a captive to the lies, I'm not afraid to leave my past behind, we declare this that I won't be shaken no I won't be shaken yeah. my fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand Chance Winner. a chance when I For every heart and every mind Cause I know there is peace within your presence I speak Jesus I just want to speak the name of Jesus Till every dark addiction starts to break Amém e de... life for mine, nailed to the cross, you crucified all my sin and shame. It was washed by your mercy. Yes, you are the treasure I find, my reason for living. So let to the one who is worthy. Can we pour out all praise before him? And all praise to the Lord most high. All praise to the one who saved my life. All praise to Jesus Christ, my King of heaven, my King forever. The gates of my heart. The veil in between was torn apart. Now you hold the keys to the grave. Can we lift this up? you bring things to light. You roll stones away. All praise to the Lord most high. All praise to the one who saved me. I King of heaven, I king forever. All praise to the Lord most. I will pour it out. All praise to one who saved my life. All praise to Jesus Christ. I King of heaven. Not in part, but the whole you it all, Lord. You my whole heart. In this moment, would you surrender your whole heart before Him now? Would you lay down every burden? And I lift my hands up and lay my whole life down, my whole life down before you. I lift my hands up and lay my whole life down, my whole life now. What did you walk in here with today? Well, I lift my hands up, lay my whole life down, my whole life down. Before His arms are open, I lift my hands up, lay my whole life down. For you I lift my hands I believe lay my whole life down My whole life now It's for you yeah. All praise to the Lord most high All praise to the one who saved my life All praise to Jesus Christ Forever. All praise to the Lord most that we're open now. All praise to the one who saved my life. All praise to Jesus Christ. All praise to the Lord, most high. All, All praise, praise to the one who saved my life. All, All praise, praise to Jesus Christ, High King of heaven, High King
2: forever. It's who you
0: are, my King forever. It's in your name. To be good, you are firm foundation, you are blessed assurance, Lord. Father, we will respond in kind. We'll do as it says in Psalms, where it says, Praise the Lord, my soul, all my inmost being, praise his holy name. Church, let these words act as a love letter to our King Jesus. Lord, we praise you with a heart of reverence. You are our King. You are our Lord. You're the one who rescued us out of darkness and brought us into glorious light. You are worthy of every word, of every note, of every melody. So in this moment, we offer you our whole hearts, our whole selves, and let us face every day, placing you above all things. We proclaim your holy name, Jesus. Church, you know we walked in here today with hearts heavy, with hearts burdened for Ukraine and the things that are happening in this world, so can we just unite together in prayer and pray together the way that God, that Jesus taught us to pray, with the Lord's Prayer. Can we pray together? We say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done Welcome to second service here at MRCC. Would you turn to those around you? Find someone you don't know and just wish them a good morning today.
1: Good morning, friends. Welcome. It is great to see you. Welcome to Second Service here at MRCC. Welcome to everybody who's joining us online. You're with us. We're thrilled. It's good to see you this morning. It's good to be with you this morning. And God takes such great pleasure in our coming together. You know how you feel at the holidays when your kids get together and sometimes a mom will come up to me and say, oh, my kids are in the house at the same time. And it's sweet and good and precious. That's how it is when we come together in our Father's family. So good to see you this morning. Welcome this morning. Um, you know, I, I have a few announcements to share with you, but uh, you know what's on everybody's heart this morning is what's happening in our world. And, and God wants to speak to us specifically about that this morning. Uh, he actually woke both me and Weston up last night and said, I want you to change up what's going to happen on Sunday morning. And um, so in a moment, I I want you to prepare yourself to hear from Jesus about what's happening in our world, because He cares about what you're feeling, about what's going on uh, in the world around us. So a few quick announcements before we get into that. One is that tomorrow night is our monthly Band of Brothers men's dinner. That'll be happening at 6.30 here in the sanctuary. You are invited to come and be a part of that, fellas. Uh, No cost. We have dinner together. It's a great time. Bring a friend, anybody, and everybody is welcome. That'll be happening tomorrow night. And then... um, Uh, This coming Friday night will be our Mercy Reigns Missions Dinner. Uh, Kind of an informational and a reporting dinner about the ministry in Uganda, uh, led by Larry and Charlotte Travis right here from our own MRCC. And that's going to be... Everybody's invited to that Friday night, 6.30. Again, no cost. Bring a friend. Hear about the mission and what's happening there. That'll be happening here at the church uh, as well. And then I'm looking forward to next Sunday evening because these first three Sunday evenings in March are our church membership classes, our spring membership classes. So if you've decided that MRCC is your church home and you haven't become a member, I want to invite you to consider coming out and being part of these three, these three classes. I teach them. It's a chance for me to get to know you, you to get to know some of the folks you go to church with. Um, they'll happen uh, on those three consecutive Sundays. Each class is 90 minutes. It's a It's just a great fellowship time. One of the things that always comes out of it is a lot of friendships as people meet each other and connect with each other. So, I want to invite you to be a part of that if you if you haven't uh you know entered into church membership yet, you can sign up in the foyer, call the office, scan the code on the chair in front of you, whatever works, but we would love to include you in that. And then as well, uh after church this morning the ladies uh are hosting the women's conference sign up that's coming up in just a few weeks. Um and so you can stop by the guest center find out a little bit more about that um, and, and roll with that. I, I, I want to invite you friends. God, God, doesn't do this very often. Uh, I, I believe in the sacredness of prayer and preparation. And, and so on a Tuesday when, when I get on my knees and ask God where we're going next in his word, you know, he gives me that message. He did that this week, but then with everything that happened in our world, um, you know, last night again, he said, "Hey, I have a word—a very specific word—for my people, and 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 that's what we're going to get into this morning. I want to invite you to open your Bible, if you would, to Matthew chapter 24. Whether your Bible's on your phone or your iPad or you got an old-fashioned paper one, whatever works. Uh, I want to encourage you to get in the habit of of bringing your Bible with you. And Matthew chapter 24. Let's let's pray this morning before we jump into God's word together, Father. We ask this morning that you would give us ears to hear your spirit. You said that whenever we came together, you'd be with us, among us. And, and Lord, you have a very specific word for us this morning, and for this time, for this season. And God, we ask that you would give us ears to hear you this morning, each one of us, to hear your voice, not a pastor's voice, but your voice speaking through your word. We pray for that. Uh, we ask that you settle our hearts this morning in your grace and your keeping. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, let me ask you, what would you say is the biggest headline that's ever happened in your life? You know, think of all the big things that have happened in the world, in your time, on the planet. What What would you say is the biggest headline of your lifetime? Does your mind race to maybe a war or an election? Or maybe the passing of a law or the not passing of a law? Maybe when you think about the biggest headlines of your lifetime, you think about something like global warming or the issue of racism. What are the biggest headlines of your lifetime? I got to thinking about this the other day, and I think one of the saddest headlines of our lifetime is something that's happening right now, you know, the return of the mustache. That is just a bad idea. (laughs) How how, how did we get to the point where we're bringing that back, you know? God forbid that we get through this pretty quickly and put that away. Try to get that image out of your mind now, and please make that go away. But here's the truth, friends. Do you know what? Do you know what God would say is the biggest headline of your lifetime? It's that moment when you said, Jesus, be my savior. It's that moment when you said, God, I need you to be my father. I need you to be my dad. It's that moment when you opened your heart to God. God. All the other headlines of our world pale to insignificance in God's heart and in God's eyes compared to that. Stop and think about that for a moment. Jesus taught us that that was the case. The only thing that he told us that causes the angels in heaven to rejoice is when one person makes that choice. God looks at your lifetime and he's not captured by any war, any election, any law any other issue but that moment when you believed and it's so important that we stay in touch with that I remember when uh, Isaiah our son was gosh I'm going to say about six or seven years old and one day one Saturday he was sitting there playing a, a video game and it was like Sonic the Hedgehog or something what I remember is that he was racing through a landscape on a surfboard or a skateboard or something and And I just paused to watch him for a few minutes. And uh, man, he was going so fast through canyons and over mountains and through valleys and stuff. And and I got caught up in it. (laughs) And pretty soon I was standing there going, watch out, watch out, oh, son, look out. (laughs) You know, there's that, oh, look out for that. You know, and this went on for, I don't know, five or 10 minutes. And all of a sudden, my my seven-year-old son, he just paused the game. He put down his controller and he looked at me and he goes, dad, it's just a game. (laughs) Dad, if I crash, I just hit this button and I come back again. <laughs> and I remember sitting there going, well, you are one smart mouth little guy, aren't you? you know. I remember sitting there, no, I didn't. I remember going, wow, he's right, you know. And in the same way, God wants us to stay in touch with what's important. You know, in that moment, I just kind of got caught up in what was happening on Isaiah's screen. And lost touch with what was real in that moment. God wants to talk to us about that this morning. Because sometimes when we get confused about what's important, it can get serious. Greta Silverstein of Stamford, Connecticut, was arrested in 2006 and ultimately did jail time. Her crime was recklessly endangering her own child's life. Here's here's what happened. She she accidentally locked her toddler son in the car on a hot summer day. Maybe, Maybe that's happened to you or somebody you know. It's not really that uncommon. And when she realized what she'd done, she did all the right things. She... She looked everywhere for her keys, couldn't find them, so she called the fire department. And and the fire department came out to to get her car door opened and get her son out. Well, that took some time. And when they got there, they they couldn't get the car door open. They tried all their tricks, all their tools, and and couldn't get the car door open. And the heat just continued to build in the car. And and at one point in that process, her her son's head just lolled over and he passed out. And, and the fire department said, hey, this is getting scary. We need to break the window of your car. Can we break your window? And mom, in all the panic and, and, and worry and fear of that moment, said no. You see, she just bought that car. It was a brand new BMW. BMW. She worked and saved for it. And her first response was, no, there's got to be another way. And she began to argue with the fire department. She says, no, I don't want you to break the window. She said, hey, I'll call my friend. They can go by the house, look for my other set of keys and bring them down. And the fire department said, "Ma'am, this is, this is getting serious. I think we need to get your son out now. We need your permission to break your car window. She said, no, no, let's wait. My friend will get here as fast as she can. And couple of minutes went by and finally the fire department said we can't wait and they broke her car door even as she tried to stop them they rescued her son the good news is took him to the hospital he recovered he was fine but mom was charged and prosecuted and did jail time for recklessly endangering her child now the sad part of the story is that you know mom knew better she really did in her heart of hearts and looking back afterwards she says i I just got panicked you know there were too many things coming at me in the moment I just lost it. And, and she said, you know, in my right mind, I would have said, yes, break the window right away. But somehow I got detached from what was important in that moment. That can happen to any of us. That can happen to all of us. And from the perspective of God our Father, it can happen to us in times like we're living in this weekend, this week, This month. We live, you and I, in, in what historians call the information age. You know, in our day, we have access to more information. We know more stuff about more stuff than anybody ever has in history. Those little phones we hold in our hands, those are the greatest libraries in the history of mankind. More information in there than in all the libraries of the world put together. And and those things are enormously powerful tools. Do you realize that that the processor in your phone is more powerful computationally than the one that NASA used to send astronauts on a 500,000-mile round-trip journey to the moon? You've got more power in your hand than they did in those days. But here's the thing. With all that information flowing at us, it has never been more important for us to discern what's important what really matters among all that information, as opposed to just information. In a crisis, we are tempted to lose touch with what's important, but all the knowledge in the world is no substitute for understanding what matters most. And that's what's on Jesus' heart as he responds to the disciples in Matthew chapter 24 talking about what was going on in their world, in their lives, in that moment. Let's let's kind of follow the story and listen to what our Lord has to say. Matthew chapter 24, beginning with verse 1. The Bible says this. Jesus left the temple. I'm going to talk about the temple in a moment. The center of Jerusalem, one of the eight wonders of the ancient world. The place Jesus often went to to teach during the day all who wanted to learn. Jesus left the temple on one of those days and and he was walking away when the disciples came up to him and called attention to its buildings, called attention to this wonder of the world. Now it's easy to understand when you know a little history why the disciples were so dazzled by the temple. It was known in those days as Herod's temple. King Herod had built it a couple of decades before to try and win the loyalty of the Jewish population by pretending he was on their side. When it comes to God, you can't imagine a more reprobate ruler, but he cynically built this monument to win the loyalty of the religious in Israel. It was one of the largest construction product, projects in all of history. Made of stone and white marble, plated with gold from the roof right down the side walls, lit up by night with oil lamps that glowed in the daytime. It was said that you could see the glow of the temple from miles away in broad daylight as you came towards Jerusalem. The sun striking all that solid gold. And every year... At the Feast of Tabernacles, they would darken the entire city, surround that temple with every lamp they could find so that it lit up and blazed as a memorial to the glory of God being in the middle of Israel, as a remembrance of when that happened in the Old Testament when the glory of God came down on the tabernacle. And and this temple was the center of Israel's national life, of their religious identity. They thought of it as the most important place in all of Israel. Luke, in his account of this same moment in chapter 21, tells us that the disciples were remarking how the temple was adorned with beautiful stones and gifts dedicated to God. Mark tells us that they said, Look, teacher, what a magnificent building. And they felt that deep in their bones as Jews, as Israelites, as historically the people of God. It's very easy to understand what they were feeling in that moment, but watch how Jesus responds to them. Verse 2 of chapter 24, they said, Lord, look at this awesome place. Look at the temple. And Jesus said, do you see all these things, guys? I tell you the truth, not one stone here will be left on another. Everyone will be thrown down. In other words, guys, what you're looking at is dazzling, amazing, captures your attention, but I'm telling you it doesn't matter. I'm telling you it is almost completely irrelevant. I'm telling you that everything you see will be cast down. And in fact, history tells us that in three short decades, that's exactly what happened. The Romans came in, put down yet another Jewish rebellion. And as a consequence of that sacking of Jerusalem in their desire, in their effort to to destroy the nation's identity, they threw every stone off of every other stone. They stripped every piece of treasure out of that temple. They Endeavored to to violate the interior of the temple by sacrificing a pig on the altar. They did all kinds of things in an effort to stamp out the Jewish faith. Jesus says, guys, everything that captures your attention right now will be gone before you know it. And, And to make it even more pointed, a foreign army will crush Israel and destroy this temple. They, they would have thought that unthinkable. Jesus says, no, that's, that's going to happen, guys. And despite that happening, it won't derail the kingdom of God. He's going to go on to talk about that in a moment. But to, to kind of feel the intensity of this moment, imagine that, that Jesus is standing here physically this morning, and one of us says, oh, Lord, let's pray for America, that uh, America would carry out God's will in the world. And if we said something like that, and then he said, you know, guys, America's not even going to be remembered. Every part of it will be cast down and ground to dust. The Lincoln Monument, the Washington Monument, the Capitol Building, the Congress, all of it will be destroyed. And and just, you know, to go with the imagery, maybe it'll be nuclear ash. We would go, what? And that's what the disciples felt in this moment when Jesus said, the temple will be destroyed. Feel the intensity of that moment. And and the reason it strikes them so hard is is that they become caught up in that. They begin to think of that as the most important thing in their world. And Jesus wants to correct them about it. He doesn't want to say it's unimportant. He goes to the temple every week to worship. He doesn't want to say it doesn't matter. That's the place where he shares the gospel, where he meets with people. It, It has its place. But Jesus says, guys, don't get caught up in it. Don't act as if it's more than it is. We have a tendency to do that. I remember when I was in high school, you know, uh, the most important thing in the world to me sometimes was to get my hair just right, you know, parted down the middle and feathered on the side. It would take me like 20, 25 minutes in front of the mirror in the morning. You're laughing, but you did it too. I had to get it just right. And you know, it's it's funny, it's kind of shameful to say. There were a couple of times when I just had a bad hair day, I couldn't get it right, and I skipped school. (laughs) I don't want anybody to see me. How dumb is that? Middle school, right? We look back and we laugh now. (laughs) We say, gosh, Greg, that was so unimportant. You're right, but at that time, I didn't think so. Jesus is doing something like that with his disciples. The point he is making is crystal clear. He says, guys, don't let yourself get dazzled by what's happening in the world. Don't get to it so attached to things that you lose your sense of what really matters. This isn't the first time Jesus has dismissed the temple. Over in John chapter 2, the scripture says that one day he was confronted in the temple and he says, destroy this temple. I'll raise again in three days. The Bible tells us he was speaking about his body as the temple, but this is in that same vein, that same theme. And what the Lord is saying to his friends, what the Spirit of Jesus is saying to you and I today, is don't get caught up in the things you see. At least don't get so caught up that you forget that what matters is the things you don't see. Now, the disciples are blown away by this. So blown away that verse 3 tells us they reacted with, with questions. Scripture says, as Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately. Tell us, they said, when will this happen and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? In other words, Lord, wow, what do you, what's this all about? You're, you're telling us the temple isn't the most important thing. We thought it was intimately connected with everything. Lord, tell us about this stuff. And, and friends, if I can pause for just a moment, let me encourage you. This is how you grow up in God. You ask questions about what he says. You, you say to yourself, wow, Lord, you said that. I don't, I don't understand that. I need to understand. I want to know what it means. Th- this is how you and me grow up in God. We, we, we take what Jesus says seriously enough that we ask about it. And we go, hmm, I, I need to know. And, and when we do that, God meets us every time. As we're going to see, Jesus teaches the disciples in this moment. The Holy Spirit is still doing that to this day. But if we don't listen to what Jesus says and, and, and care about it enough to ask questions about it, we'll, we'll grow old without ever growing up. We'll be 60, 70, 80 years old and just as immature and adolescent spiritually as we were when we were 15. Just as scared and uncertain and self-absorbed as we were before he saved us. The Bible says a lot of people are going to enter heaven in diapers, so to speak, or to use the imagery in 1 Corinthians 3 like, like naked men running out of a burning house because, because they never really grew up. But, but anyone can, if you just start asking questions. say, Jesus, I want to know what you meant by that. I want to learn what you say and understand it. And the disciples come and do that. And, and Jesus immediately responds. He sits down and he begins to teach him. Look at verse 4. The Lord said, as he says to us, watch out that no one deceives you. There is a lot of deception going on in our world. Spiritually and otherwise. Watch out for fake news. Watch out that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name. Claiming I am the Messiah. I speak for the Messiah. And they will deceive many. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars. But see to it that you are not alarmed. By such things. The word means overcome with anxiety, panicked, fearful. Jesus says, I don't want you to be afraid when you hear about wars and rumors of war. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these, these wars, These are the beginning of birth pains. Any lady who's given birth will tell you that the beginning of birth pains is the lightest and easiest part of the journey. Jesus says, when you see this kind of stuff happening, don't immediately go, ah. Instead, understand these are the beginning of birth pains, just the start of what's happening. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. I think it's a a terrible indictment of where we are as a a human race that, you know, war captures the front page. Famine can barely get on the back page. But Jesus said all those things will happen. Don't be alarmed by them. And watch out that that nobody deceives you about this stuff because a lot of deceivers are going to come and they're going to take advantage of all this news to tell you all kinds of stuff in my name but it really doesn't have to do with me you know one of the ways to identify a false teacher is anybody who tells you that they know for sure that the end times is happening right now first of all technically speaking the end times have happened ever since Jesus' resurrection it's just a matter of how long they last but second the lord is going to go on in verse 36 of chapter four and he's going to say this no one knows about the day or hour of my return not even the angels in heaven nor the son but only the father So as soon as somebody gets on the internet or your TV or whatever and starts telling you they know exactly what's happening prophetically and blah, 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 watch out. (laughs) Jesus says, nobody knows. He says, I don't even know. He's humanly speaking in that moment. He said, the angels in heaven don't know. Only the Father knows. And the first test of somebody taking advantage of the news is if they pretend to know. Jesus said, watch out that you don't get deceived. And he says, you will hear of wars and rumors of war. See to it that you're not alarmed. Friends, have we so quickly forgotten that in the 20th century, more people died in wars than all of human history combined before that? This isn't the first time this has happened. It isn't the last time. I saw a funny meme the other day. Somebody said, if you're a, if you're a millennial or a Gen X, Y, and this whole talk of nuclear weapons in Russia starts to freak you out, just grab your neighborhood boomer. They'll tell you how to get through it. They've been dealing with it their whole lives. There's some truth to that. But Jesus says, don't be alarmed because I've got a grip on this. Matter of fact, Luke tells us in chapter 21 verse 28 that he went further than that. The Lord said this, when these things begin to take place, stand up and lift up your head because you know your redemption is near. When these things begin to take place, don't become more afraid. Become more eager because the fulfillment of the ages is nearer than it ever has been. Your redemption is near. The putting to end of war, the putting to the end of the wicked, the, the, the beating of swords into plowshares, peace and justice among the nations. It's nearer now than ever before when you see these things. You know that, he said. And so take heart, lift up your head. Of all people, followers of Jesus Christ in times like this, should be the most clear-eyed, the most patient, the most secure, the most peacefully rooted in their faith. The world around us needs to see that. It validates the gospel that we share. Jesus says, lift up your heads because you know that your redemption is near. I remember when I was stationed in Iceland and. uh you know, after about the first week, I didn't want to be there anymore. <laughs> it took about that long to to be tired of it and yet I spent another year there and it was a long year, and I was ready to leave. <laughs> As it got to the end of that year and the preparations for my leaving started to happen, you know, um, my access to different parts of the base, my access to different privileges, all those were taken away and one, my furniture was taken out of my room and then all my clothes and my gear was taken out of my room, one by one I lost all these things until it got down to the day before I left and all I had was the clothes I was wearing, the uniform I was wearing and a little backpack with some stuff to (laughs) take on the plane. And the next morning, I was going to get up and get on the plane and fly home. And as all those things were taken away from me, my my smile got bigger and bigger. (laughs) As all those privileges were removed, my eagerness for what was coming got bigger and bigger. And when I got on the van to go to the airport and leave, my joy was the greatest of all. God says, think like that. When you see these things taking place, lift up your head because you know that your redemption is near. Friends, let let me tell you something. We struggle too much with bad news or hard news when we're too attached to the things of this world. It's kind of a diagnosis. It doesn't mean that the things of this world don't matter. It doesn't mean that we shouldn't be engaged in them, but it means we are called to see beyond them. And to remember what's most important. When the fire department came to open uh, that car window, they, they tried everything they could to, to do that without breaking the window. They were engaged. They were involved. They wanted to address the whole situation. But when it got down to brass tacks, the most important thing is what mattered. And, and that's what God says to us in this season be reminded my friend our citizenship is in heaven and we eagerly await a king from there a savior from there the lord jesus christ don't grow terrified and anxious about what's happening in this world because you're not attached to it you belong somewhere else the scripture says we should live as aliens and strangers passing through this world and god invites us to remember that this morning. Jesus wanted his disciples to keep their grip on the things that really matter. So he says, don't get alarmed, don't be deceived and lift up your heads. His return puts everything else into perspective. And, and don't be afraid that the bad guys are gonna get away with it. God says repeatedly, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. I will deal with the wicked. Not only will I, will I deal with the wicked by putting an end to their wickedness, I'll undo everything they did. The dead will rise again. Those overcome in their hearts and minds will be healed and renewed. God says, I will undo everything they do. They can't do anything that I can't undo. I have a friend who served our country as a sniper overseas in wartime. And he shared with me how when he closes his eyes, there are so many images in his heart and mind of looking through a scope at somebody and than having to pull a trigger and watching what's happened. And the only thing he says that helps him is that he knows that everything he had to do, God can and will undo. Every one of those people will come back to life. Every one of those wounds and injuries are healed, both in the body and in the spirit. I'll never forget sitting in a Dairy Queen parking lot with another man who had to serve our country in wartime. And with tears streaming down his face, he told me about having to take the life of a 10-year-old boy. Because wicked men had strapped explosives to that boy's body and sent him towards a group of soldiers. And then they were going to blow him up in order to get out the soldiers. And, and, And my friend, my brother, did everything he could to stop that little boy, but he couldn't, and finally... He had to pull the trigger or a lot more lives were going to be lost. As we sat there and prayed together, I said, my brother, the only hope that we have, but it's a living one, is that God undoes everything we have to do. We are meant to rest in that in times like this. We are meant to know that the wicked cannot do anything that God can't and won't undo. And when we remember that, when we rest in that, it doesn't mean that we stay disengaged, but it means that our eyes stay focused on the bigger picture, on the bigger issues, on the kingdom of God above and beyond any nation, any border, any boundary, any politics. God will undo those wicked things. We're meant to rest in that. We're meant to keep our eyes beyond it because we have a different mission. We have a different mission. We have a higher mission. Doesn't mean we're not involved in lesser missions. If you serve our country in wartime, it is an honorable profession that God compliments and praises. But even in the midst of it, we know there's a higher agenda. So so, so, what does it, life look like when we let Jesus define what's important, when we let him keep us in touch with what's most important? Well, let me finish this morning by just sharing a few specifics, and you can write those down and and we'll wind up in a couple of minutes. I'm going to ask you, though, in a few minutes to, to stand and join me in serious prayer for our world, for Ukraine, for, for our enemies, as well as our friends. But what does life look like when we let Jesus keep us in touch with what's important? Well, first of all, it looks like paying attention to spiritual things. It is so easy to get caught up in paying attention to everything else later in Matthew 24 in that same moment that Jesus had with the disciples he said this he said no one knows about that day or hour of my return not even the angels in heaven or the Son, but only the father and then he said this as it was in the days of Noah so it will be at the coming of the son of man for in the days before the flood people were eating and drinking marrying and giving in marriage up to the day Noah entered the ark they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came suddenly and took them all away in other words they paid no attention to spiritual things until suddenly the reality of spiritual things fell on them. God says that we're not to be like that. We're to understand that our prayers, our worship, our serving one another, our loving one another, our sharing the gospel. Those are eternal things. And they remain front and center no matter what else is going on. Most people live as if judgment isn't coming, but it is. And to live in the light of it, that's what we're called to do. And then We're to not get dazzled by short-term wins and lesser wars. Disciples said, isn't the temple awesome? Jesus said, it doesn't even matter. Every stone will be knocked down. We're not to get dazzled by trying to win short-term wars. God, friends, understand this, is seeking to save souls from eternal hell, not nations from each other. Now, in that process, he seeks to redeem and heal But his agenda is higher. His agenda is bigger. What does it profit a man, Jesus said, if he gained the whole world and yet lose his soul? What, what, What profit is there in that? None. And so in this day, our eyes are fixed on eternal things. What matters isn't who wins here, but who gets saved eternally. Paul talks about this in Second Corinthians 10. He says, we don't wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of this world. On the contrary, our weapons have divine power to demolish strongholds. That's a spiritual enemy. We demolish arguments and every pretension which sets itself up against the knowledge of God. We take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Don't be tempted to think that somehow Jesus wins if Russia loses. We certainly work for that aim because it's obvious who the bad guys are. But there's a bigger agenda. We can save Ukrainians from Russia only to be cast in hell for eternity. And God calls us to remember that that's his mission in the world. So let us fight on our knees. As the scripture tells us, Ephesians 6, our struggle is not against flesh and blood but against the rulers and authorities of this dark world. That's talking about spiritual evil against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Don't, don't ever stop thinking that your prayers, your worship, your serving and your giving are less important. They are the central battle. And then third, this is kind of surprisingly, Jesus says, in times like this, don't get caught up in judging your fellow believer. Verse 10 of chapter 24, look at what he says. He says, at that time, many will turn away from the faith and betray and hate each other, and many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. The world is full of the loud voices of half-baked prophets who will spin every headline into a fantasy about the end times and then condemn their fellow believer who don't join them in their madness. Jesus says, understand, nobody knows when I'm I'm coming, but nobody knows. So don't get caught up in that stuff. Instead, keep your eyes on the prize, which is to share this good news with everyone around you. Don't worry about missing out on something. Jesus said that when he comes back, you won't have to ask if it happened. The Lord put it this way, verse 36 of chapter 24, for as lightning that comes from the east is visible even in the west, so will the coming of the Son of Man be. If you're not tuned into YouTube or TikTok at the proper moment, you will still know. <laughs> everybody will know. Okay? <laughs> so don't get caught up in, ah, oh, I gotta find out. So well, No, when it happens, everybody will know from the greatest to the least. And his judgment will come. It will make everything right. The wicked will be destroyed. What the wicked have done will be undone. Don't worry about missing out on anything. Don't chase rumors. Don't get so attached to your country that you forget your kingdom. Don't get so attached to anything that you fear the loss of it and descend into anxiety. Instead, remember, as we just sang this morning, he's got us. He's got us. Finally, Do what you can where you are. Loving your neighbor is God's plan for you no matter what's going on anywhere else. Now, to get involved in helping those in the Ukraine, for example, refugees, all the struggles that are there, amen. Jump in with both feet. But remember that God says you do your best work locally. You do your best work in caring for that person who doesn't know God as their father yet, that person near you who's struggling with fear or anxiety. Jesus said he came to seek and to save the lost, and that's what he calls us to as well. So remember that your battle is here. Your battle is in your workplace. Your place of service is in your school, in your neighborhood, in your community. Sure, we're involved in those things, sure, but central, most important, is what's going on in our neighborhood, in your family in your home, in your church, in your community. When we get deceived about what's important, we risk freaking out. Let me close with a story, and then I want to ask us to pray together. Mary Edwards Walker is the only woman in American history to win the Medal of Honor. The story of how she won it is a riveting one. Despite being the only woman in medical school graduating class in 1855 despite being denied the opportunity to enter private practice because after all she's a woman and what can a woman know about medicine she still offered her services as a trained physician to the union army at the outbreak of the civil war in 1861 she offered to go to the front lines and serve as a doctor helping soldiers she was denied that opportunity they said you're a woman you don't belong there you can't go there Do you know what she did? She said, well, I'm going anyway. And she volunteered in civilian clothes to serve with the army on the front lines. At the first great battle of the Civil War at Bull Run in 1861, she became famous for fearlessly racing back and forth across the battlefield to tend to the injured, to save lives, to heal those who were wounded. She later described herself during that long day as being constantly terrified yet she continued to roam the front lines and serve all the way to the end and not not just there and it turned out that was just the beginning she continued to follow the army around serving as a doctor without pay without recognition often to derision without a uniform finally she was so persistent that in 1863 the union army said well we'll give you a uniform and call you an officer but we're not going to pay you she didn't care she kept serving all the way to the end of the war. Shortly after that, she was publicly honored, received the Medal of Honor, the only woman to this day to have earned it on the battlefield. When she was asked what motivated her, what what helped her despite all those obstacles to keep serving, she said this. She said, "I always tried to think of what I had to give more than what I had to lose." She said that's where courage comes from I always tried to think of what I had to give more than what I had to. in these days Jesus invites us to think like that what do I have to give it's more important than what I have to lose because really I have nothing to lose I have eternal life I belong to the kingdom so it's about what do I have to give and as we fix our eyes on those things we lose our fear As we fix our eyes on people who need help, who need the gospel, as we fix our eyes on those things, we lose our fear. So the message this morning from God is be like Mary. You can remember that. Write it down if you need to. Because then we stay in touch with what's important. Would you stand with me this morning? And I want to ask you, please, as your your friend, your pastor, I want to ask you, please, when we bow our heads, don't just listen. Listen. Pray with me, would you, for our world, for all that's happening. Would you bow your heads with me? God, we come to you this morning crying out for the horror that's happening in Ukraine, crying out against wicked men and women. God, praying for those in harm's way. God, asking that you would bring peace. God, we pray that those that are near to the most awful weapons we've ever created, God, that you would cause them in fear to turn away from using them. God, we pray that you would bring peace. God, we pray for our enemies, that they would repent and change their minds and hearts and, and turn away from wickedness. God, we, we pray for them. We pray, Lord, that you show us as a nation how to act righteously, that you show other nations how to act righteously together. And then Jesus, help us to keep our eyes fixed on what matters most. Help us to remember that this gospel that brings eternal life matters even more than all the headlines that go across our screens. We pray for that. Keep our hearts fixed on your kingdom, your mission unalarmed, our heads lifted up, knowing that you have the last word. We pray for that. We pray for that. And now may the love of God the Father and the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the fellowship of his Holy Spirit go with you throughout this week. Go with God, friends. Tell someone that you love them. Hallelujah.